Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 298, and today we are talking about books being released on February 16th, 2021, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, Tirza. Hey, Liberty. How are you, you this week? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, were you in suspense <laughs> because I forgot to change the name in the heading? Were you like, is she going to say <laughs> Vanessa or is she going to say my name? Stay tuned. No, I had complete and utter faith in you. Oh, it was misguided, but I actually did manage to, <laughs> to do it this time. I'm going to change it now, just in case, you know. There we go. Like, just for next time. So you remember who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's totally fine. It's definitely been one of those weeks. So. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it's been a long, long week. I have such a headache. <laughs> just telling everybody. No. I have such a headache. I decided to give up caffeine again because I was spending way too much money on caffeine. And I have a headache now. It'll go away soon. But in the meantime, I'm super cranky and my head is throbbing. I'm sure a lot of people out there can sympathize. People try to give up caffeine all the time. I did it once before for like a year and a half. And then, you know, the world happened and slowly started back on my habit. And now... I drink too much caffeine. I'm not good yeah. at just drinking a little. I'm just like, I want to drink it like several times a day or not at all. So I'm the same way. I love my coffee and I will keep drinking it throughout the day. I usually have to cut myself off and switch to like decaf tea. But then I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And then there will like inevitably come a day where like I don't get coffee in the morning and which like I don't like miss it for like the taste and the habit. But mm -hmm. then like at 10 a.m. I get a raging headache and I'm like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> I can't believe that I did this to myself yet again. So, yeah, no fun. Yeah. This is exactly what I thought being an adult would be like. When I was younger, you know, when I was a kid, I watched that episode of Perfect Strangers where, like, Balky and Cousin Larry are on a rent strike, and so their landlord turns off their water so they can't make coffee. So they just eat coffee grounds that are, like, shoving them in their mouths. And I was like, yeah, that's what being an adult is like because you need your coffee. And I, I wasn't wrong, really. <laughs> I, feel, I feel that way. I would probably eat coffee. Like, I would probably eat coffee grounds right now if I had them <laughs> in my house. You know, mix them uh. into something. Oh, adulthood. It's great and not great at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly great, though. It is, because you can, you know, buy all the books you can afford. It's exciting. Nobody can tell yeah. you, hey, you're buying another book? You're like, yes, I'm an adult. I can do that. Yeah. The only person who tells me to stop it is my accountant, and I don't pay attention to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, like, when I first moved out of my house, when I first moved out of my house, my roommate and I ate ice cream and cans of frosting and, and cookie dough like the first two weeks. And then we were very, very sick. And, and that's what we learned about, you know, being on your own for the first time. 
But I used to have these moments where I'd be like, I'm an adult. I don't have to go to bed. And I have to say, at 44, how old am I? Yeah, 44. It doesn't go away. I'm still up in the <laughs> middle of the night doing things and being like, there's no one here to tell me to go to bed. You know, or like, I can eat as much of this as I want and no one can stop me. You know, it's great. I think being an adult is mostly great. It is mostly great. Yeah. You know, it's there's the trade-offs, but uh, there are <laughs> moments when I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to spend all weekend reading and I'm going to stay up late and I'm going to watch TV and nobody can tell me not to. Yeah. I like it. Yes. Highly recommend. So before we get started, uh, we are coming up on our 300th anniversary, and you've heard me talk about this before, and I'm going to mention it again. We would love to answer some of your listener questions. So if you want to send us an email at allthebooks at bookriot.com and ask us, you know, about books or just anything in general, we will start answering those starting with our 300th episode. 300 episodes. So exciting. Uh, Thank you to those of you who have already sent in your questions. I feel like I'm cheating now because I already know them, so I can think about them earlier than everyone else, but ah, 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 (laughs) too bad. That's another great thing about being an adult. No, I don't know. That doesn't really work, but (laughs) so yeah, so all the books at bookrides.com, you can send us your listener questions and we will answer them on the air, on the uh, recorded air, I guess I should say. (laughs) And uh, now we're going to talk about books after we hear from a sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. Okay. So my first book today is so weird, just very weird and so fantastic, but there's not much that I can say about it to you because I don't want to ruin it. It's called The Memory Theater by Karen Tidbeck. Karen Tidbeck is also the author of the amazing novels Amatka, actually, Amatka is a novel and then a story collection that I talked about on here a few years ago called Jagannath. And I just love their work. So bizarre. There's a story in Jagannath about like the human body as kind of like being a sentient thing on its own with like all the vessels and the the cells like working together and, and the like how it's the body is shutting down. Oh, it's like a spaceship almost. I love that story. So the memory theater is like an adult fairy tale. Or not even an adult fairy tale, but one of those like grim fairy tales, like the actual fairy tale tellings that are just full of violence and horror and just very adult. So I am going to give my content warnings now because I'm going to be discussing some of this stuff. So there is content warnings for violence and murder, body horror and harm to children uh, in this story. It starts in this place called The Garden. And it kind of makes me think of the party in Alice in Wonderland with the Queen of Hearts where everyone's playing croquet. There are these beings. They seem to be kind of like humans. They're called the aunts, except they can shed their skin and become something else. And the aunts live in like a, not a ground, it's almost like ground. They live the same day every day. They get up. They have this fabulous party. They have this big feast out in the garden and eat amazing things, play games, 
do all kinds of weird things, and then they go to bed at night in their big homes, and then they get up and they do the exact same thing the same day. And these beings, they have servants, and their servants are children. Now, the head of these, or one of the head of these aunts is named Augusta. She reminds me of Glenn Close in Dangerous Liaisons, like that's who I was picturing uh, at these parties. And they don't even realize that they're having the same day over and over again. And Augusta has a servant named Thistle. And the thing about the children's servants is that they're not treated well. They're horribly abused. Um, Like, they're not fed, and the adults uh, hit them. And they also carve illustrations onto their skin. And when they are finished, like, decorating them, it means that the child has grown up, and then they become a part of the feast. Like, real dark stuff. So Thistle is Augusta's servant, and he is very close to having his decorations finished and he is best friends with a girl named dora who is the child of one of the consorts of the aunts and she has to wear a veil over her face because every time her father sees her he freaks out so she's always covered in a veil and this is like a horrible life for them and they have found each other and they like sort of cling to each other and they can't escape every time they try to run away they run and run and run and end up right back in the same place where they were like there's no getting out of this like time loop that they're in and but they they need to get away and thistle can't leave the aunts because uh, augusta knows his real name and whoever holds your real name has the power and so thistle's time is running out but then augusta discovers a watch she finds a watch and she asks what it is and she finds out that it has to do with time and it doesn't seem like any big thing she just asks this question but all of a sudden the fruit in the garden begins to rot and everything changes. And there's a lot that goes on there. I don't want to spoil that part for you. So I'll just say this part, which is part of the description of the book. Um, Augusta gets free from their world. And now Thistle and Dora are also free to go, but he still needs his real name to actually sever his ties with the garden. It's so weird and just awesome. It's sort of like Piranesi, in which the less you know, the better. But they you know, end up traveling between their world and ours. Like they are like, it's very plain that they are not on earth, like at the beginning of this. But I just, I loved it. The It's a grown up fairy tale. And it's like the Grimm's fairy tales that I enjoyed reading as a kid, because adults are the monsters. When you were little, you're like, yeah, adults are the monsters. And you rely on other kids to help you defeat them. And they usually like come apart. And there's something else like weird and evil inside them. Which I just realized now also describes like every episode of Scooby-Doo, but <laughs> it's just so much fun. I loved all the characters. And like I said, you know, it's it's very dark, so be warned, but oh, so fantastic. That is The Memory Theater, and it's by Karen Tidbeck. Awesome. So my first pick is a little bit of a swerve, and it is Serena Singh Flips the Script by Sonia Lali. And it is a book where if you've seen the cover illustration, you probably um, might take it to be a romance. And it's actually not a romance novel. However, it does have like the perfect romance novel structure, but it's a friendship story. So it's about Serena, who is a 36-year-old woman who um, is kind of at a weird place in the beginning of the book because her sister, who is six years younger than her, is getting married. 
And she's really considered her sister to be like her best friend for the last few years of her life um, because her um, friends that she has made throughout, you know, high school, college and her work life, um, they all kind of have something in common, which is that they're really great friends for a while, but then they like get married and have children and then they don't have as much time to be friends with Serena. And Serena's like honestly kind of like over that and she's a bit bitter about it. And, you know, not, like, horribly bitter, but, like, she does kind of have this, like, chip on her shoulder about how, like, most women don't stay friends with her once they become parents. And she is kind of hurt by it. And she's also somebody who knows that, like, she does not want to have children and she's completely fine with it. Um, She's not opposed to finding a partner, but she's not really into the whole idea of, like, you know, the theatrics of marriage. So... The beginning of the book, her sister's getting married, and that's a big change. But then she also finds out that her sister is pregnant, and she's also starting a brand new job. And the job should be, like, her dream position. But she's having some troubles at work, and then when she finds out that her sister is going to have a baby, she feels, like, kind of betrayed because she's like, well, you know, there goes, you know, another friend. And so she decides to, like, go out and make friends and she does it kind of like you know the way that some people approach dating where she's looking at apps she's trying to like join different social groups and her whole purpose is like i've got to find friends and it is pretty funny because there are definitely some some blunders there and some misadventures and i don't really want to um give anything away but like it's it's very funny how she will walk into a situation and thinks she knows what's going on and then realize like oh oh wait this is definitely not my scene at the same time she makes friends or she doesn't make friends with but she's kind of friendly with another woman at work named Ainsley But she doesn't really consider Ainsley to be, like, good friend material because she knows that Ainsley has a two-year-old son. And she was like, well, you know, this this person's not really serious about being my friend. We can, you know, be polite to each other at work, but, like, it's not really ever going to go beyond this. So this is kind of how Serena is approaching her life. But then she realizes um, about partway through the book that, like, resenting her sister And sort of going about making friends this way um, won't always result in um, what she wants. And then when she actually starts becoming um, closer with Ainsley and seeing that, like, oh, she can be friends with somebody who has children, um, she also has to really kind of face, like, what she wants out of life and how she might be pushing other people away, whether that's on purpose or inadvertently. Um, so it's a really fun book. Um, it's funny. I listened to the audiobook, which was really well done. And it was just a really quick and interesting read. And I am always here for, you know, more great books that discuss um, friendship and making friends as an adult, because it is really, really hard to make friends as an adult. And as somebody who is like childless and does not have any, you know, children right now. And but I have friends who have children, like I I totally related to like that sort of weird stage of like your friends not having as much time for you because they are, you know, parenting and that is important. And it can be kind of like an awkward thing for a friendship to go through. And I, yeah, just really felt for for Serena because that's really tough. I also really like this book because I related to Serena's um, desire for a close friend. Um, I read a lot of fiction and see a lot of 
like stories, just, you know, whether it's movies, TV, where, you know, you have these characters who have like lifelong, like deep friendships and with like people that they met in, you know, childhood and in, in, in high school. And that is not something that I've ever, you know, experienced myself. So, um, I mean, I have friends from a lot of stages in my life that, you know, we are, you know, still friends, but I don't have like that one childhood best friend that is like, always in my life. So it was really great to read a book that sort of resisted that narrative or like looked at friendship from a different angle. So that is Serena Singh flips the script by Sonia Lali. Okay, my next pick is another eagerly awaited book. It is No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. If you think Patricia Lockwood's name sounds familiar, that is because she is the author of Priest Daddy, which is an amazing memoir that came out a few years ago. I feel like it got bought up and they were going to make it into something, but I haven't heard any news about that since then. But I really enjoyed that memoir. She's also an incredible poet. Uh, was very heavily involved on Twitter, and this is kind of her novel about Twitter and experiences on Twitter. And like I said, it's called No One Is Talking About This, and it's about a woman who is unnamed. Uh, there's It takes place in two parts, and <laughs> I apologize in advance. This is also one of those books that I cannot tell you too much about because I just think it's such a joy when you get to find out these big things for yourself, and I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, so the first part is a like sort of stream of consciousness. There's this woman, she's interacting with this thing, she calls it the portal. It's the internet. She can't seem to look away. She looks at it all the time, and she has all these amazing, smart, weird thoughts about the internet. It's one of those books where she asks all these questions or makes all these observations that almost make you uncomfortable. You're like, yeah, that is how the internet behaves. And that is how I react to these things on the internet. You know, talking about like, you know, how something is really, really big one day and like four days later, everyone has forgotten about it or proven it to be wrong or you know something like that. And she just sort of breaks down all these things that happen on the internet or like what you're seeing. And she herself now has become sort of internet famous. Just for like one tweet, she says, she tweeted like something like, uh, do dogs have a twin? And the tweet went viral and like hundreds of thousands of people retweeted it. And she's sort of speculating on how like, you know, the children of the world now, the high schoolers are not going to remember what the Treaty of Versailles is, but they will remember when they saw like, do dogs have a twin? I think this is probably based a little bit on her own experience because uh, she did have a tweet that went viral uh, several years ago, which I cannot repeat here, but it must have been something like that. You know, it, it just I'm assuming that's what this is. And she kind of feels like she needs to get away from this. You know, it's a time suck. It's melting her brain. She's like mentions a few times where she's like staring at this, having thoughts that her husband has to like talk to her and repeat what he said like three or four times before she kind of comes around and is like, oh, yeah, are you here? Like, you know, she's like really into the Internet. And then there's the second part, which is the part that I can't really tell you about, in which her mother reaches out to her because there is an emergency. And now the first part is kind of disjointed, but not in an unpleasant way. Like it's like I said, stream of consciousness. I really appreciated these thoughts. You know, I love the books where you go, wow, I've had that thought too, but I've never heard anyone like put it into words. Like I wouldn't know how to express that. And I'm super impressed. And the second part, I'm going to tell you a couple of things about it, and these are minor spoilers, So, um, but I do want to give content warnings. So 
uh, if you don't want to know, cover your ears. But in the second part, her mother has contacted her because um, her sister, they, she's just been told that uh, she's uh, going to have a dangerous pregnancy. And so there are constant warnings for traumatic pregnancy, death. There's also uh, insensitive language, especially in regards to thinking about the internet when people say on the internet. Um, so I want to give a heads up for that. But it's so interesting to me because I feel like I look at the internet a lot and yet I don't fully absorb like what it does to us, like what it's doing to our brains and what it's making us think. You know, it's just this part of our life now, like where I wake up and I look at the internet and I look at the internet for the news and I look at the internet to see like where my friends are and I don't really fully absorb like that kind of behavior and how different it is from even, you know, when I was young, we didn't have the internet, you know, like there are tons of children now who don't know what life is like without the internet, which makes me feel super old, but it's true. And I just thought this was really great. Like I said, it, it doesn't flow like a novel, especially at the beginning, but it's a great story and it's really, really interesting. It gives you lots to think about. That is No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. All right. So my next pick is the new book by Sarah Gailey and it is The Echo Wife. And if you are unfamiliar with Sarah Gailey's work, they are kind of a master at like the genre mashup. And most of their books are like really queer. This new book is another great genre mashup. It takes the domestic thriller genre and sci-fi. Um, it's not queer, but it's still really, really great. So um, you start this book and you are introduced to the protagonist, Evelyn Caldwell, who is a scientist. And it's you're getting the feel that it's kind of like maybe the present slash near-ish future. And Evelyn is being awarded this very prestigious, fancy scientific award, and she's not super pleased about it. Like, it's everything that she's been working for all her life, and she's proud of her work. But when you catch her at this award ceremony, she is very distracted and very upset because her husband, Nathan, has left her for another woman. And as you're reading this, you come to realize that he has left her because he thinks that she's too obsessed with her work and she is much smarter than he is. And he sort of resents that. And then you come to find out that the woman that he has left her for is is a clone of Evelyn that he actually made himself by stealing her research. So, you know, she's got a lot of reasons to be salty about her ex-husband, and uh, she's got a lot of reasons to be very protective of her work. Uh, so the story really kicks off when Martine, who is, you know, her clone and Nathan's new wife, she messages Evelyn and was like, I would love to talk to you. And at first, Evelyn's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. But then um, she does go and meet Martine. And she's kind of horrified to discover that Martine is pregnant. Um, and that is a big deal because clones aren't supposed to get pregnant. But for whatever reason, Martine is, has become pregnant. And uh, that has kind of like sent her into the spiral of thinking like, okay, um, you know, what what happened there? Like, how did that basically how did that happen? And how can I sort of like take this back to my research? And then the next time she hears from Martine, Martine is extremely frantic because 
Nathan is dead. And it turns out that Martine killed him because Nathan attacked her. So it was self-defense. But all in all, not a very good situation to be in. And despite her misgivings and not wanting anything to do with Martine, Evelyn does come to her rescue. So now these two women must discover or figure out what they're going to do because they've killed Nathan. And um, if Martine's existence is exposed to the world, it could have very bad consequences for both of them and especially for Evelyn's research, which is really like the biggest thing that she cares about. Um, So this was very, very twisty. I really, really enjoyed this sci-fi twist on that domestic thriller genre because I read a lot of those books and sometimes they do start to feel a little bit, you know, just repetitive after a while. I mean, I still enjoy them because obviously I keep reading them. Um, But this was a really interesting update to that. And the science aspect is not not too science-y, not too science-heavy. So if you are not really into sci-fi, like this would be a really good book to pick up to kind of like, you know, dip your toes into the water and, and figure out what you like. This had some really nice twists and turns. It had really, really excellent character development as well. And I really ended up liking all of the characters, even though at the onset, they don't always present as the most likable of people. Once again, I think um, Sarah Gailey has pulled off another amazing book. So that is The Echo Wife. So even though I knew you were going to talk about this, you know, and I, I read it, you know, uh, many months ago and enjoyed it. I started listening to you talk about it. And I was like, this sounds like something that I read. (laughs) It's just that's where my brain is at right now with this headache. And it's also where my brain is at right now with my recommendation. So I'm going to apologize again in advance. Uh, My next pick is one that I'm really excited to read, but have not read yet. I have read a few books that are coming out this week and did not enjoy them at all. That seems to be my luck. And I'm so bummed because once we hit like March, I'm going to hit this sweet spot where I've read so many of the upcoming books. It'll be so hard to talk about. But February, somehow those titles got away from me. So I haven't read this one. uh, And and again, I apologize. But I am just so excited for this book um, because it's uh, The Mission House by Karis Davies. And Karis Davies wrote a novel called West a couple of years ago that I absolutely loved, which won awards, and also uh, The Redemption of of Galen Pike, which is one of the best story collections I've ever read, which also won awards. She writes these sort of like not Wild West, but also Wild West stories of just, they're kind of like Deadwoodish sort of violence and redemption stories. And this one is about a very uh, quiet man named Hilary Bird who takes refuge in a former British hill station in South India. The place is called Udi, and he's looking to just sort of relax and he's not looking to like find himself or, you know, immerse himself in their culture. He just wants to go on a vacation and kind of relax. And instead, he's taken in by the padre at the British hill station and his adoptive daughter Priscilla, who is also the housekeeper, but um, increasing violence in the country is making the Padre very nervous and it's going to affect what happens to Hillary while he's there as well. I just, I cannot say enough good things about Carrie Davis. Um, I'm pretty sure that she has some other stuff that I haven't read. It's so hard reading authors that aren't published in the US first and sometimes we don't even get their amazing books. And then sometimes, like, I discover all the time that I want a book by an author and 
it turns out that I've already read it, but it has like a different title in the U.S., which I don't ever understand why they do that. But I'm just babbling about Carrie Davis now. But uh, this one is called The Mission House, and I cannot wait to read it. So, oh, is it? It's time for a new sponsor. Okay, Tirza, what do you have for us next? All right, so my next pick is First Comes Like by Alicia Rye, and this is a romance novel, and it's the third in the Modern Love series, and I will admit right now that I have not read the first two books in this romance series. The one nice thing about romance is that usually you can read books in a series out of order and like you'll you'll get characters that kind of pop in and out of books and and that sort of thing. But uh, I usually find that they're not too much of a spoiler to read them out of order. Uh, some people might disagree with me on that, but I'm reading this one out of order. Uh, but Alicia Rye's been on my TBR for a while now. I'm pretty sure I have a copy of um, her first book in this series um, somewhere. Um, I think it's called The Right Swipe, and that looks really fun. But anyway, this one is called First Comes Like, and it is about Gia, who is a beauty influencer. And she is like one of those career beauty influencers who's been on the internet for a long time. She kind of considers herself like old in internet years, even though in reality, she's only like about 30. And she is, um, you know, fairly successful at what she does, but she's kind of at that point in her life and in her career where she's looking to make a, a big move and take her the next step into what she wants to happen next for her. She's also feeling a, a little bit downtrodden because she had gotten sick for a long time and that had prevented her from working. And she feels like she lost her momentum in her career and with her sponsorships. Um, when she was sick, which is um, interesting because, you know, she mentions that she was sick and it doesn't say like what she was sick with, but it mentions that like her sister was sick with the same thing and sometimes has to have supplemental oxygen. And so I'm like, is this the first book I've read where we're like totally, you know, talking about COVID as if it's a thing in the past? It was kind of like a trippy moment for me reading this book like still you know quarantining and and being safe and even though you know there are vaccines that are being administered right now i was just kind of like whoa okay we're we're here now i think with with books it's, it was wild so anywho that is gia's backstory and she has also been communicating um, via instagram with um a man named dave who is a bollywood well, he comes from a Bollywood family, very famous, and he's a sitcom actor in India. And he kind of slid into her DMs one day and started chatting her up. And she was like really flattered and kind of surprised and a little bit suspicious at first. But the more they talked and, you know, she saw that all the messages were coming from the blue check verified account, she was like, oh, wow, this is the real deal. So Dave actually moves to Los Angeles to try to um, break into Hollywood and, and take his career to the U.S. And she decides at the very beginning of the book that she's going to show up at this Hollywood party um, that he is going to be at. And she's really excited because they've been chatting and he doesn't really know that she's coming and she's going to surprise him. So she walks up to him and he like has no idea who she is. 
And he's not messing with her. Like, the real Dave has no idea who Gia is. And she's just absolutely mortified and embarrassed. And she runs away. And Dave, for his part, is kind of like, whoa, who was that very beautiful woman that just acted like she knew me? And so he does some of his own sleuthing and talks to her. And basically, they realize that somebody has catfished Gia by using Dave's, like, Instagram account and his like credentials and login. So um, somebody gained access to his account and and was talking to her and he feels terrible. And he's also super attracted to her. And so they are start hanging out together a little bit, trying to figure out who could have catfished Gia and the paparazzi catch them basically together and they get the shot that makes it look like they are possibly very romantic. And Gia's very traditional family kind of freaks out and are like, oh my gosh, are you dating him? What's going on? We're going to come to L.A. and we want to meet him. So you've got this very interesting sort of catfishing scenario, but then you've got this sort of temporary fake dating scenario, but then they also feel very much attracted to one another. And it just really makes for a very... Very good romance with a lot of good romantic tension. Uh, so I really enjoyed this book. I felt like a lot of the things that they had to work through were, you know, their own personal family life and sort of emotional pitfalls that, you know, are very much something that can be tackled. But, um, that, you know, it's just life baggage, stuff that they have to work through. And they do it pretty well. And I really just thought this was a great book that you can, you know, read very quickly and enjoy. I was listening to the audiobook, and it was an awesome one to listen to while I was kind of going about my day. I will say, though, I enjoy listening to audiobooks. I thought that this was a great novel and a great story. This particular audiobook production was not my favorite. I did not enjoy the narrators, unfortunately. So if you're like on the fence and you don't know if you want to read it or listen to it, I would probably recommend reading it. But it's definitely one that you should not miss. And it's called First Comes Like by Alicia Rye. I have to tell you, I read three books in the last few days that mentioned the coronavirus and they're all like novels <laughs> that are coming out at the end of the year and next year and it's weird like you're like wait no how is this and you realize like wow a whole year has gone by and you know people write yes. fast and it, it jars me every time i mean it's they're not the first ones but i mean like it's like all the time now i mean because how can you how can you not i've seen so many writers talk about their books. I can't remember who it was specifically, but I was watching an author interview and she's like, I had to just throw my whole book out because it was set in 2021. And how can I have a realistic novel that doesn't talk about the coronavirus? She's like, I just ditched the whole thing. And it's sad. It's, it's very sad. You know, it is. This is probably it's not the first book I've read that like, um, you know, talks about the coronavirus because I actually read Remote Control by Nadia Chlorophor and mm-hmm. she has a throwaway line that mentions the pandemic of 2020. But that book was sci fi. So I was kind of like, oh, yeah, she mentions that. This was the first like contemporary one, though, where I was like, is she talking about COVID? That's so weird. But yeah, and the, I actually read another book, too, uh, was really excellent book uh, by Christina Forrest. 
um, now that I found you. And it came out last fall and she actually has dates in there and it's set in 2020 and like no mention of COVID. And I was like, oh no, she, she wrote that before COVID. She couldn't have known, but yeah, that definitely is like one of those things where I'm like, this, this is not quite right. Yeah. You just have to, you just have to get over it, you know, like yeah. let it go <laughs> because <laughs> everyone is trying. But I, I do feel bad for those authors now that have books that come out. And it's like, this isn't what's happening. I know. But before we end today's show, I just want to mention a few more books of note, uh, including one that I am very excited to read called How to Order the Universe by Maria Jose Ferreira and il- translated by Elizabeth Breyer. And it's about a young girl named M, who is seven, and she wants to start traveling around with her father, D, who is a traveling salesman. Um, I've heard great things about it. And the next one I wanted to mention, I actually was going to discuss this book on the show, but because they are a sponsor now, I'm unable to, but I'm just going to sneak it in there a tiny bit. It's called Let's Get Back to the Party by Zach Sally. And it's about a young man, uh, or or when he was a young man, uh, this man named Oscar knew a childhood friend who was also gay at his school. And now he runs into him again when he's 35 at a wedding. And it's sort of like a second chance at their friendship and at relationship. And for those of you who are big fans of Sarah J. Moss, the fifth book is out today, A Court of Silver Flames, which has a really cool cover. And I'm also excited because there is a new to us and Helica Gorodice out today called Jaguar's Tomb. It's translated by Amalia Gladhart. And um, Gorodice is, she's 92 now, 92. That's amazing. She's an incredible author. She's written a few things that I've loved, including Culpa Imperial, which was translated by a little someone named Ursula K. Le Guin. Uh, there's also Trafalgar and then Prodigies, which I think I talked about on the show, like maybe like one of the first episodes, which I absolutely loved. So And so those are a few books that I am excited about today and feel like you need to know about. And Tirza, what do you have for us for your last pick? My last pick is a really gorgeous YA novel called The Wide Starlight by Nicole L'Esperance. And this book is about Ellie, who is a Norwegian-American teen um, who, when she was six years old, she went out um, with her mother. They were living in the far northern reaches of Norway at the time. And they went out in the middle of the night in the cold and her mother was showing her the northern lights and then she whistled at the northern lights and the northern lights swept her mother away. And so she hasn't seen her mom in 10 years and nobody believes her when she tells her anybody that this is what happened to her mother. And like, why would they? It sounds like, you know, a wild tale and she was six and she almost died out in the elements. So they figure it's just her way of, of coping with what happened with her mom disappearing. But now that she's 16, she lives with her American dad in Cape Cod, and it's winter, and for whatever reason, uh, the northern lights are going to appear, and that's pretty significant because they don't usually appear this far south. And so she goes out, and she watches the northern lights, and she whistles at them, and her mother comes back to her. And her mother is a bit different, and... It's very difficult to just kind of pick up 10 years later. And Ellie's also kind of mad at her mom because it's like, how could you leave me? Um, You know, you've missed 10 years of my life. 
And so her mom comes back, but at the same time, there's, like, a lot of weird sort of magical things that are happening in her town. Like, she keeps seeing these three um, women who are sort of magical crones, and they have weird messages for her. Um, She sees narwhals in the bay of – or in the water near Cape Cod on the beach, and that's weird because there aren't narwhals in Cape Cod. Um, So all of this weird magical stuff is happening, and she's not really sure what it means, and she's not really handling her mom coming back very well, even though it's all she's wanted for 10 years was to have her mom back, because her mom is not really giving her the answers or being, you know, what Ellie wants or needs. As this is kind of all, like, reaching its climax, her mom disappears again, and her mom just leaves her a message that says, you know, come find me where, where I left you, and so Ellie knows that she has to go back to Norway. So this is just a really, really lovely book. And I thought the writing was beautiful. As somebody who like lives in a cold climate and does not hate winter, I loved that this was, you know, a sort of wintry book that also kind of felt like a warm hug. It's nicely magical. A lot of people have been kind of describing it as like a good YA book for fans of Alice Hoffman. And I think that's very, very accurate. So that is The Wide Starlight by Nicole Lesperance. Ooh, now there's another book to add to my TBR. I'm very excited about that one, too. Yeah, it's so good. Also, I want narwhals around here. I'm not too far (laughs) from Cape Cod. That would be cool. See unicorns. That would be fun. Yes. So those are our new books. What are you going to read next? Next up is Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. I'm really excited for this book. The cover's gorgeous, too. Awesome. It is. Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's one of the best covers of the year for sure. I'm going to read Hairpin Bridge by Taylor Adams, which I just got last night and I had so much work I couldn't get to it. And I was actively angry about that because if you haven't read No Exit by Taylor Adams, it's possibly my favorite thriller of the last several years. It's like Die Hard in a rest area. And I've been anxiously awaiting this new one. So I hope it lives up to the previous book. It's not a sequel, but it's just Same author. And that is it for us today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. Send us your questions. You can find us online, Tears of Hangs Out, on Twitter and Instagram at Tears of Price. I am Friends and Comes Alive on Instagram. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.